Welcome to the podcast, Organized Mayhem. We're coming to you from 110 South 11th Street, which is the home of Mariah and the Rap Shack. And we are here to talk to you about all things Philadelphia restaurant business and everything in between. I'm Cami here with my brother, Scott, and my friend, John Lupa. Here we go. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today for Organized Mayhem podcast. Check us out on YouTube, X. Our website, rapshackpa.com, mariahphilly.com for updates. Thanks again. Welcome to the mayhem. So welcome to Organized Mayhem. Today we have a very special guest. This is my friend, Rob. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. Robbie. <laughs> Hi. How is, how's everyone doing? <laughs> we don't have John Lupa today only because we are short on microphone that broke, but we do love him anyway. And I'm here with my brother, as always, Scott. I am here. Okay, so first, let's give a proper introduction to Rob. Let's find out how you met Rob. Okay, so Vance does my security. He's in charge of my security. Um, and Rob works for him, works with him. And uh, that's how we met a couple of years ago. That's and you were hiring him for? To make sure that I am safe and the restaurant is in good working capacity. Terrific. Okay, how long ago was that? Well, I've had Vance for eight years, nine years. So uh, I don't know when Rob started. About um, two years ago. About right? two years ago. Yeah, about two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Easy. Yeah. So I don't know if you know how interesting Rob is. I know a little bit. Okay. So I'm going <laughs> to play a game with you, okay, called Three Truths and a Lie about Rob. And you've got to guess which one's the lie. Okay. Okay. Let's do this. Number one, Rob plays violin. Number two. That's not true. Rob is a tap dancer. I could see that. Number three. Rob was raised Jewish. Number four. Rob is a nurse. He is a nurse. Do, 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 do. He's a nurse. Okay. Tap dancing, I'm going to go, yes. Well, don't, don't. Just answer which one you think is the lie. Did you need to hear them again? Sure, why not? Okay. Let's, get, let's go for it. I might not do it in the same order because my memory's bad. Blame it on perimenopause, right? No. <laughs> one, Rob plays violin. Number two. Uh, no, that, that's the lie. I'm just going to go through one more time so you can hear them. Uh-oh. Violin, nurse, raised Jewish, and what, what am I forgetting? Rob, uh, nurse, violin, and tap dancer. Violin. Scott, you would be correct. That is true. I could tell. You could tell? Does <laughs> this is so spell out true. true? That is yes. true. You I, could. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. That is actually very true. I have to be honest with you. Can, can I see your hands real fast? These are big fingers for a violin. <laughs> <laughs> so... That's 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 why I had I figured that. All right, that's good. That was kind of easy. It was easy. Yeah. I don't know about that, but there's a lot of interesting things that you learned. So here is you know one of the, the the fascinating thing about my friend Rob, right, is that you have this guy who has uh, lots of different interesting parts of his life, careers. Mm-hmm. He's been in film. Mm-hmm. He has his own podcast. Mm-hmm. He has. Um, you know, as somebody, well, I'm going to talk to you a lot about the, the different things and you can answer because I don't want to answer for you. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I'm going to get rid of you, Scott. 
Oh, I can't wait. Sorry. I can't and wait to hear. So I can just have a conversation with me and Rob. So bye-bye, Scott. I do love you. You are my brother. But I'm going to just... Gotta go, Scott. Gotta, gotta go. go. Gotta go. Okay. So that way we have time to talk about all things Rob. So, okay. Rob, you always from Philly? Yes. Born and raised. Okay. Where, where were you born? Uh, West Philly. Okay. Born and raised West Philly. And so then let's talk. Tell me just a little bit about yourself. You can just start, you know, telling me about, um, you know, we talked about a couple of things about you being raised Jewish. We talked mm-hmm. about you being a nurse. We talked about you going into film and radio and all mm-hmm. these things. So you start on your a little bit. Tell us a little bit about how you um, have so many things about you that are so interesting. I come from a family where my biological father said, if you want to succeed in life, you got to work. Okay. No ifs, ands, or buts. So I said, all right, fine. I found the job at 13. The job I found at 13 is the job where my adoptive family adopted me. Okay. So I would go every day after school. What job was that? Uh, it was called uh, Fred's Army and Navy. Okay. It was in West Philly. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a clothing store. And I would go there every day after school. And I would go there and, and all my friends would come in. And i never forget, a year later, uh, one of the guys said, do you just want a job? He keeps showing up. Let me ask my parents. So even though I was in and out with my parents, uh, we was going back and forth arguing, yelling and everything else. I said, I got a job. My dad said, all right, whatever. He didn't care. Uh, every time they would drop me off at home, by this time, I was living across the street in an abandoned house. In so, an abandoned house? And I had abandoned house. Well, and you across, were 13? I was 14 at this time. I was going through stuff with my parents. Um, I had already got kicked out. So instead of me living in the house, I lived across the street in the abandoned house. They didn't even know. So when they were my, before my- You must have been scared. Were you scared? No. Mm-mm. No. I knew the house before the people left. So it wasn't that bad of a abandoned house. They said, we never see you go in the house. They would get to the end of the drive. They would get to the end of the block term. They said, you never go in. I said, oh, I do. They said, you don't. So I explained to them. I told them what happened. They said, can we talk to your parents? They said, sure. They talked to them. And they said, if you want them, you can have them. I was like, well, I can't believe you ever said that. They took me in. I was in the system probably a month. They wanted to get me adopted. Uh, I thought, all right, I'm adopted by this Jewish family. I'm going to be rich. Yeah, that was so wrong. And had I, you had you met other Jewish people before this family? No, no, not at all. So my outlook was always like, well, it's a family of love. Me. I didn't care about the color. Mm-hmm. Someone loved me. I thought I was going to get all the riches and spoils. My mom said, yeah, no, he's still got to work. So now you're just in with us. We pick you up. We take you where you need to go. So my mom was like, all right, well, we're going to get you a role to Edmonton uh, High School. I'm like, no, I'm not going there. You're crazy. I finished elementary school in West Philly. And I said, I want to still finish school where I'm at. I went to university. I went to Overbrook. I kicked out both of them. You and did get you got kicked out. Why did you get kicked out? Kicked out? Hang out with friends. Mm-hmm. Hang out with friends doing stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember my dad said, say these magic words, and they're magic words. I'm like, whatever. He said, do you want fries with that? And he said, keep saying until it makes sense. So I said, oh, I'm not flipping burgers. Are you crazy? He said, because you didn't think he was going to still work here and not go to school. I finally went back to school. I went to a school called Philadelphia Regional High School. It was a school for potential dropouts. There was no rules. You can come in when you want. You can leave when you want. All you had to do is get 21.5 credits to graduate. I did. I finished my course. I finished everything in January. Went back in June to graduate. My mom said, do you want a party? Mm-hmm. No, I should have graduated when I was 18. I graduated when I was 22. And all my friends kept saying, man, why don't you, you quit? My dad said, a GED is for quitters. A diploma is for real people. I finally said. When, now, 
excuse my ignorance, but when you're talking about your dad, are you talking about your biological dad or your adopted my dad? My adopted dad. Your adopted dad, okay. And he said, you, he said, no one's in this house without a diploma. You're going to be in this house with a diploma so we can hang out. Fine. They show so much more interest and love in me. Yeah. I said, done. I said, no problem. I remember we were going to close the business because we were, I've been in this business for so long doing sales. And my dad said, well, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet. Well, my mom said, we'll take care of you. Don't worry. I said, no. So I said, one of my friends said, hey, listen, I got to go do this acting thing. I'm going to be an extra. You should go with me. I said, no. He said, you should. I need encouragement. Fine. I went down. He didn't get picked. I did. My first wow. movie I ever did was Rocky Balboa. Wow. That was my first movie. And by the time I got done, I said, I want this life. Yeah. Uh, but at the time, I was having my son. I was 25. So I had to be, it was a choice of saying, be a dad or be a paycheck. I slowed down acting, worked more to make sure my son didn't have to worry about a thing. From then on, I grew. I became this actor. Uh, my mom always said to me, she said, I don't want you to have one job. I need you to have more than one, more possibilities in case one doesn't work. And she was right. So I started learning everything else. All right, I've got a lot of follow-up questions. Come on. You gave me a lot of interesting things. Like, okay, so here you are, this kid who went from an abandoned house mm -hmm. to this loving, sounds like a mm -hmm. loving, supportive yep. Jewish family. Right. And like, so if you knew nothing about being Jewish, and then all of a sudden you came to this Jewish, you thought like, maybe you heard rumors like, okay, I'm going to be rich now. Yeah, heard but, that. Right. But like, what, so what did you all of a sudden start going to high holidays? Like what, what was it that resonated with you or what did, what made sense to you? Didn't make sense to you? We're just going through the motions. I know that's a lot of questions, but you no. tell me what your, your thoughts were. About so in Jewish. the beginning of this, uh, it was, it was like, we don't want to pressure you to do anything you don't want to do. Okay. And you said that they were, they were not Orthodox. Mm -hmm. So it was the greatest life ever because I met Orthodox. I was like, your life sucks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but when I realized how things were, and my mom's like, well, we eat this, but we don't eat that. But sometimes we just do this and sometimes we don't do that. And I was like, okay, this sounds fair. Okay. And I would never forget we have big Christmases. I love Christmas. Yeah. In my biological family, I think I only had two Christmas. So for me as a kid, it's like I seen a Christmas tree up whenever it felt like or lights up whenever. In my Jewish family, I've seen everything. I had tons, tons of people. I've never seen so many people a day in my life. Did I feel out of place? Yeah, mm -hmm. I did. My mom took it to heart. She would always say to me, someone's going to have a foul mouth. Someone's going to call you a name. I want you to grow some thick skin. I can't protect you all the time. However, you'll figure it out. So one of her so-called friends, and that's what she says, uh, she says, oh, look, it's Sammy Davis. My mom said, and hey, you're gone. Mm -hmm. I never want to talk to you again. I told the years later, I said, my mom, go talk to your friend. I said, nothing's worth throwing over. I said, they're just probably ignorant and bliss to not know. So I didn't know. So I said, don't hold that grudge. My mom wound up talking back to her girlfriend. So did you feel did you feel insecure about being around those people? And did you feel different or did I you felt different? different. Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't say insecure because I grew up into loving everybody. Mm -hmm. Didn't matter the color of your skin or anything else. But I felt different. I felt like everyone looked at me as like, um, why don't she take him in? Like, did they have children of their own? Yeah. How many kids? Uh, two two boys. Two boys. And did you get along with the boys? Oh, yeah. Because we all worked together. So before even I got adopted, I worked with them. So we went through ups and downs. I was more so their bodyguard because we were working in, we we're doing furniture through the city of Philadelphia. So I would always say, y'all stay in the car. I'll deliver the furniture myself, especially if we went through projects. Like, don't get out this car. 
And they was like, why? Like, don't get out this car. And my mom used to always say, you're like their protector. Mm -hmm. But when we stopped doing it, we stopped doing uh, furniture and, and, and clothing, my mom says, all right, you don't have to be that guy anymore. It's like, I'm always that guy. Because you guys took me in, y'all didn't have to. So I was the protector of the family. But life was so different when my mom said to me, she says, okay, you're going to get married. I don't like this girl. She says, you shouldn't marry her. I'm like, first of all, I'm going to marry this girl. Don't care what she said. My mom said, I'm not coming to the wedding. Yeah. Yeah, show up. My mom says, you'll be divorcing. She was like, three years later, I was divorced. Had my son. I'm the best dad in the world to my kid. I waited 10 years to get married again. My mom seen this girl. She says, nope, she's not there either. Got, I got divorced six years later. I've just been seeing it since then. Mm -hmm. But my mom was right. Because my mom says, here's the deal. I have to see her. Let me talk to her. Let me meet her. She said, you wouldn't let me. She said, she wasn't ready for you. I said, okay. Now, do you still consider yourself Jewish? Do, like, where do you consider yourself? My mom called it 50-50. Mm -hmm. She says, until someone else die, I'm only 50%. She says, someone else has to die before I get to be 100. I'm like, I don't know how that works. But I do. I, um, I remember... In my early years, I had to go to the synagogue. My mom said, all right, you, you sit with us. And I never forget, people like, you're up front. You're not sitting back here. So the other kids would do spitballs and throw stuff in church. I would on the synagogue, and I'd be the only one. Then they would look at it. I'm like, really? This is what we're doing, huh? And then I remember someone said, look, it's little OJ. Like, you oh guys are horrible. But I was all right with it. I didn't let it get under my skin. My mom used to always say to me, she said, how are you, how are you never mad? I was like, when you got a chance to adopt me, all that anger left. Someone loved me more. I've never heard the words, I love you, until I got with this adopted family. So to this day, I tell my son, every time we get off the phone, Daddy loves you, I'll talk to you later. This kid's 24. He's like, when does this end? I'm like, it never ends. I said, when you have kids, you'll do the same. Do you have a favorite Jewish food? Uh, matzo ball soup. Mm, I make a mean matzo ball soup. I love matzo ball soup. Mm -hmm. um, what I dislike some days. Go ahead. Um, my mom, when she makes beef, yeah, I kind of need it done. Mm -hmm. So I always tell my mom, why is my beef touching my, my mashed potatoes? Why is my mashed potatoes pink? She's like, this is how I cook it. I'm like, no. I always have an issue with that. Um, my mom plays mahjong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, every time my mom would, her girlfriends, they would all come over there, put money in a jar. When one of her girlfriends would lose, my mom says, can you come downstairs and sing to them? I said, why is this for like a sing-off when someone loses, I have to sing them out the door. My mom would make me sing Frank Sinatra. Aww. And uh, it was called One for My Baby, One for the Road. Great song. My mom would make me say it, and the girls already knew. If he's coming to sing, I'm already losing. I'm walking. <laughs> uh, pretty amazing. Okay, so then, you know, all right, so that's a very interesting part of your life. Mm -hmm. And how did you get into nursing? So I got, when we, when I started to leave from our family business, I wanted to do something still productive. Now, here's the thing. I, my family paid me once a week. I said, uh, let me get into this nursing thing. And someone said, well, how? You have to go to school and do all this other stuff. I said, I'm going to get my way in the front door. I went to Abington. I started out as environmental service. Across the street was was a, was a school of nursing, Dixon School of Nursing. So I said, let me go see what they're talking about. So I said, I want to be a nurse. They said, well, you're environmental. Why don't you keep cleaning? I want to be a nurse. They said, it's a long course. You don't think you can do it. I said, I come from a Jewish family. <laughs> I said, I could do anything. Sure enough, went through my whole entire course, went through everything. Grateful. I'm grateful. And then as I became the person I am, my mom used to always say, really? Is that all you're going to do? I'm like, no. 
She's like, are you gonna go back and do acting? I'm like, yeah. So I went back and did acting, but I kept my day job. I kept being a nurse. Yeah. I didn't want to get rid of that because I said I'm gonna need this in the end. Went and did acting. Of course, my mom didn't believe it. My mom puts in, and she said to me, she says, "Where are you at? Are you at work?" I said, "I'm in New York. You found a nursing job in New York?" I'm like, "No." Said, what are you doing? I'm working on Good Morning America. Said, no, you're not. I'm like, yeah, I am. She didn't believe it, so she says, "How to prove it?" Michael Shanahan's right next to me. I said, Mike, can you talk to my mom for me? He said, what am I talking to? She don't believe I'm here. He said, does she check on you often? She just don't believe it. Mm -hmm. He talks to her and she says, why do I know it's you? She says, take a picture. Took a picture. It's on my IMDb page. And me and Strahan, we're always on it now. And my mom says, really? What made you do it? I'm like, because you said I had to do something else. You didn't want me to do one job. So how did you get to Good Morning America? So because I was an actor, because I was already doing stuff before, um, one of the executive producers says, Rob, there's a job for you here if you want to. All you got to do is be a warm-up guy. And I was like, really? They said, we've seen you around. People know you. They said, you're kind of funny. You want to do it or not? They said, we'll pay for wherever you want to be. We'll pay for your stay and everything. And this is already prior to me doing other movies. <laughs> so I've already done other movies and everything before. So I came up there. I was like, yeah, whatever. So they paid for my, my room board. I stayed in um, Hell's Kitchen. Uh, one, they're serious about that. It's in Clinton, which is called Hell's Kitchen. The rats were huge. Oh, I said this is gonna last long. And so every day I would go out there and get the crowd started. Strahan is the funniest when it comes to it. Strahan will always say to me, "He says, um, need you to be here at three o'clock in the morning." I said, "That's not what they told me. Need you to be at three. Strahan wouldn't come till five in the morning. I'm here at three o'clock, and everyone's like, "Why are you here so early?" That's a strand told me I had to be at three. He said, oh, he played you. Oh, that's not nice. So they said, we just thought you were so dedicated to your job. Like, who gets up this early to walk? Because I would never catch. I would never drive in New York. I would never catch the train. I would just walk everywhere. Yeah. And the blocks aren't that long. So I'm like, all right, fine. I get there, and they said, uh, can you have to come this early? And I look at Strand, and he, to him, it's a joke. I said, whatever. I hate all y'all. But when COVID hit, that was my out to move back to Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. I was happier to move back. My agent kept saying, oh, we can get you this spot. And I'll find my own. And they said, why do you always do that? So my mom said she believes that I'm better to do on my own than have someone else to do it for me. She said she didn't want me to ever to be handicapped. So she said, you'll figure it out. So And I did. And everything I do, I'll figure it out. If I like a job that I'm, that I'm at, I'll do everything in my power to stay at that job. Now let's talk about security. So Vance and I, I've known Vance since childhood. Okay. And and Vance was Vance in the same school? No, no, he was just the new, one of the neighborhood kids. And Vance like I'm gonna start a security company. So I worked for him doing rave parties and everything. I'm like I hate rave parties too. Yeah. He's like no, it's not bad. I'm like I hate rave parties. So I I took a break. I said I'm not doing this. Do you find something that I'm gonna be comfortable with? He said I got a gig. He says downtown Cross Street from the hospital. I'm like all right, whatever. As soon as I came in, the first day I came in, I fell in love. Yeah. I said the atmosphere was amazing. I loved it so much that I started meeting everyone. Met Scott, I'm like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Whatever he wants me to do, I am here. And I would see the surrounding, and I knew everything about it yeah. in seconds. And someone said, this is not your life. I'm like, actually, this is part of it. Being here, the energy is amazing. Now, from meeting you, you seem like a very gentle guy. And I think, like, it, you know, somebody who um, is in theater and a nurse, mm -hmm. compassionate nurse, mm -hmm. and, and all of those things, security, I would imagine, sometimes 
you're confronted with a situation where you're not so gentle and you have to be a lot more firm. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything like, like what ha- like uh, tell me an experience that you've had that maybe you had to tap into a part of yourself that is a little bit more forceful. You want to hear the funniest thing? Mm-hmm. Um, even though I've, I'm nice and sized and all, I never use that. You know what I do? Hmm. Before I come here, every time, I go grab some ones, put it in my wallet. Whenever we see a homeless guy coming in and starting to bother everyone, hey, here's $4. You have a good day. And let me escort you to the end of the block. We had someone recently. He was sleeping in one of the chairs. I said, hey, come on. He said, I just need a couple of dollars. I got you. Here's 10 This man I haven't seen again. Instead of me having to get into that mode of saying, come on, let's go, let's yeah. go. We will not do that. Diffuse it first. And so have you ever had to get into that mode? Yeah, in my 20s. Mm-hmm. In my 20s. And I always vowed that I would never get that part of me again. So if you want to use it, use your tactics. Mm-hmm. Use your brain differently. So I always tell people um, it's easier to talk uh, a little bit more calmer, but it's easier if money helps you to get to your point. And, and again, all my friends are like, what are they using money for drugs? What if they're going to use the money to eat? Right. You, you can't always assume that. I said, but even if they do, I'm not going to be naive to it. One, you're away from the, you're away from the area where you don't need to be. Two, I stand outside and make sure. Now when everyone sees me, they just walk out. Yeah. Way. To me also, it's it's acknowledging that some of the human being. Mm-hmm. That is most important. Yeah. We Sometimes we get to positions where we don't want to be. Mm-hmm. Sometimes life happens that way. But at the same time, I always tell people, you're still human. I would never, ever take that way. Yeah. No, we're all human beings. And we all, mm-hmm. you know... You know, it'd be interesting, like, you know, you were brought into this situation with your adopted parents and, mm-hmm. you know, like they, they looked after you and, and, and now like you're paying it forward and looking yep. out for other people. It's a beautiful thing. Right. Um, so I'm trying to think, oh, so is there anything else that you want to talk about, bring up before we wrap up? So, um, actually my film career, it, it's just amazing while we're on strike. So my film career was actually so good. My last movie I did was Hustle. But I've been doing stage plays through the city. My agent had recently said to me, all right, I got a whole bunch of stuff lined up for you. Let's go. I said, yeah, we're going on strike. And they said, no, we're not. He said, Rob, you got to think positive. I said, the writers are on strike. What am I doing? If there's no writers, there's really no show. Right. July 12th, we went on strike. And he said to me, he says, really? So I start, I went back and started doing stage plays. So I, I have a stage play called, coming up called Walking in the Rain at the Levick Oratorium. And... Um, I look. I love stage plays because to me it's like homework. Yeah, you learn more. You hone. You hone on your craft. But um, other than that, listen, I, I'm a walking apart. So I, I, and you have your own podcast. Yes, actually, I have my podcast, but also I have my own production company. So it's been one production network. So it's also into the podcast as well. Uh, we talk about a little bit of everything. And uh, to plug your podcast, where can we find you? So actually, you can actually find me on Ben One Productions. Uh, this is an amazing thing because we talk about everything and everybody. I'm not the politics guy, but I don't mind talking about politics because right now politics is what I like to call the roller coaster. It's up and down. You don't know which way it's going to go. And I, I never say who I like because I don't like that much of mm-hmm. politics, but I always tell people it's fun to talk about you. Yeah. That I can do all day. Yeah. I can too, to a certain extent, but um, I agree. You know, it's a, it's a polarizing conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And and I feel like I feel that you and I are similar is that I, I like peace. I like to find out what is similar to Correct. someone mm-hmm. rather than things that make us different. Correct. And, you know, we don't know that like 
you know, looking at us, you wouldn't know that we both like enjoy many of the same things. We both, we you know, enjoy theater mm-hmm. and we both uh, like matzo ball soup. Love and yes. <laughs> so, um, and we both like getting to know people. So yeah. you, you don't really know um, until you get to talk to somebody so and, and what brings us together is, mm-hmm. you know, is, is a lot nicer than what, what brings us apart. Correct. So thank you so much for spending this for time for me. me. I really appreciate it. And I will, it is my brother's podcast and Lupa. So I will bring them back into right. the Yes. Falls, right? But thank you so much. And, oh, no. and it was thank really you interesting. And I appreciate you. I love hearing about your past and I can't wait to see where you go in your future. Listen, my past is my future. That's how we get there. Yeah. Beautiful. That. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks everyone for joining us today for Organized Mayhem Podcast. Check us out on YouTube, X, our website, rapshackpa.com, reyesdilly.com for updates. Thanks again and welcome to the mayhem.